You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Ruth Flegman. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. Later in the program, today marks the last day to register to vote in the 2022 general election. With only four weeks left until Election Day, WFHB News provides coverage on last night's Indiana Secretary of State debate. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half an hour, the debut episode of Lil Bob's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bob's Big Fund. More following today's feature. But first, your local headlines. On October 5th, the Monroe County Board of Zoning Appeals planning staff shared their findings of fact for the Bedford Recycling Center at 405 West Dillman Road. All decisions of the Board of Zoning Appeals have to be uh, uh, memorialized by written findings of fact and conclusions of law. And this uh, item today is placed before you for your consideration. Uh, It uh, contains statements of fact, which uh, we believe are supported by the record, and the statement of fact, we believe, uh, support the conclusions that are stated in those findings. I think in this case, uh, the BZA was, a decision was based on an interpretation of the central garbage uh, rubbish collection facility use. And so we have uh, findings uh, and uh, authority in there that relate and reflect the discussions that the BZA had regarding that definition. So we present those to you for approval. Board member Pamela Davis said she appreciated the thoroughness of the report. I read them and I thought they were very thorough and set out in a very meticulous way each incremental step. So I appreciated that factual recitation. The board unanimously approved the findings. Next, the board discussed the GOT use variance to general contractor. County Planner Daniel Brown presented the use variance request. As you said, this is a use variance to establish a general contractor use at this property, 3290 South Knight Ridge Road in Salt Creek Township, Section 18. The total of 0.86 acres, more or less, and is currently zoned conservation residential. The petitioner is requesting a use variance to establish a general contractor business so that he may park construction vehicles associated with the business Got Tree Services on his residence rather than at another location. Chapter 802 defines general contractor as follows, an individual who contracts to perform building slash structure construction related work or to provide supplies on a large scale or an individual who contracts to erect buildings and or other structures. Construction related work may include, but are not limited to, plumbing, landscaping, electrical, framing, concrete, masonry, roofing, etc. However, Chapter 802 allows general contractor only in the general business, light industrial, and heavy industrial zones, and are subject to the following condition. 
Number 15, the Planning Commission may attach additional conditions to its approval in order to prevent injurious or obnoxious dust, fumes, gases, noise, odors, refuse matter, smoke, vibrations, water-carried waste, or other objectionable conditions to, to protect and preserve the character of the neighborhood. Brown said that the petitioner, Thomas Gott, is currently spending $1,000 every month to store his equipment and would like to get his property rezoned to store his contracting trucks in his driveway to save money. Brown shared that there were multiple remonstrances that the planning department received. Davidson asked if the petitioner still owned all of the vehicles or if he will only have two vehicles. Somewhere in the factual materials, uh, Mr. Cott said he has closed his business, he's no longer operating. Does he still own all these vehicles? In September, that's pretty recent, September 19th. It's today only, what, October 4th, 5th, October 5th. But does he still own this long list of vehicles? Or Because it's, it's said from his letter, I want to park two vehicles that I'm going to hold on to in case I start the business. It refers to two vehicles. So how consistent is that list with current times? Do you know? Brown said he was not sure. Petitioner Thomas Gott spoke. He said he had sold all of his equipment except for two trucks. Well, I did, I'm retiring. I, uh, you know, my health and, you know, my legs have given out on me. Uh, I'm going to try to retire. <laughs> I, I still am running my tree business, but from another location right now. I just want to try to finish up what I've got going on for the next probably month or so. I just want to be able to park my trucks, my truck and my chip truck on my piece of property when I'm done. So I don't have to pay $1,000 a month. I've sold all my equipment, but two vehicles that I use every day. So, um, you know, like I say, uh, you know, I uh, people bring stuff home and park. They, you know what I'm saying? You got uh, guys at lawnmower businesses. They park their stuff there. You know, don't bother nothing. It ain't, I ain't running my business from that place. You know, and uh, the traffic, there ain't no more traffic there than there ever been. Uh, you know, I do have a couple guys that park up there, and I've got one truck sitting on that piece of property that's being moved to Tennessee. A guy's bought it. When he gets the time to come get it, he's going to get it out of there. So as far as that, there's nothing up there that pertains to my tree trimming business. Board Chair Margaret Clements asked if he would be okay with an agreement that is limited to his ownership of the property so the land is not permanently zoned for general contracting. He said he would be all right with that. Brown shared that the planning department recommend that they deny the use variance. The board voted to deny the use variance. Clements clarified that if Gott does retire and they are not being used, then he does not need the variance. Uh, yes, I, w I just want to stipulate so that Mr. Gott understands that if you're retired and those vehicles aren't going in and out, you can park them on your property. Isn't that correct? That's correct. So, yeah. Mr. Gott, the variance isn't needed if, you're, if they're just parked there, just, just so that you know that, you know. The next Monroe County Board of Zoning Appeals meeting will be held on November 2nd. At the Monroe County Commissioners' Meeting on October 5th, Director of Housing Security, Mary Morgan, gave a report on Heading Home of South Central Indiana's work. Many of you were involved in the Heading Home effort when 
We started our uh, overall goal is to make homelessness rare, brief, and non-repeating. But a lot of that work is focused on um, housing insecurity, really to try to prevent people from falling into homelessness um, before uh, some crisis happens. So that's what our work is. Um, next slide, please. And to do that work, we're um, focusing on uh, long-term initiatives, structural initiatives, um, reducing homelessness, increase, increasing affordable housing, providing effective strategies for addressing acute housing issues. And as a reminder, in addition to Monroe County, our partners include um, the Community Foundation of Bloomington and Monroe County, United Way of Monroe County, the City of Bloomington, Bloomington Township, the South Central Housing Network, and, and many others. And we're really grateful for your involvement. Morgan said that they joined the national organization called Built for Zero. One of our biggest initiatives is joining Built for Zero. It's a national network working with over 100 communities to decrease homelessness. Um, we're the first community in Indiana to join Built for Zero, and that gives us access to all of their resources, including some financial resources. They um, received a $100 million MacArthur Foundation grant um, that is going to be passed through to their members. So if we have a project that we want to pilot, we think that we can make a case for that. We can go to Built for Zero and get some funding for that to really leverage your funds um, in a significant way. Um, next slide, please. Our initial goals for Built for Zero, and this will be a multi-year process working with them. Um, we're trying to ensure that our region has quality data. Um, we're going to be working on that probably for the next several months. Um, we hope to have a public dashboard available in early 2023, but we're already reporting out numbers. We don't have full participation, so not all of the people who are working um, with clients who are experiencing homelessness uh, participate in the same database. So we're trying to work through some of those issues. Uh, it's a bit challenging, but um, we've made some progress and I'm, I'm optimistic about that. We're also putting an initial focus on um, people who are veterans who are homeless. Um, we uh, feel like that's a relatively small population, so we can kind of um, figure out how to work through the process with that group. And we also created an advisory committee um, to help us uh, with that. There are a lot of services for veterans, so trying to be able to connect those services to um, the people who need them. Morgan also said that they have been collaborating with South Central Housing Network, the United Way of South Central Indiana, and the Owen County Community Foundation. Morgan shared that they applied for a grant to fund the rental renovation pilot project. We have applied for a 1.5 million um, IU Health Community Impact Investment Grant for a rental renovation program. And again, this is we're looking for sources where we can leverage our resources. The goal of this is to create um, access to more rental units. The idea is that if there are um, landlords who have rental units that are subpar, maybe not even habitable, we can provide funding for them to renovate those projects in exchange for giving long-term leases to tenants who have vouchers. It's increasingly difficult for landlords to find landlords who will do that. So we're trying to look for um, innovative ways to, uh, to address that issue. Commissioner Penny Githens said that she was pleased with the forward motion they have been able to achieve. Commissioner Lee Jones complimented Morgan on the multi-pronged approach they are taking to address the problem. Yeah, I'm just really pleased to hear how multi-pronged this plan is. You're approaching things from so many different directions. And 
this is a pretty massive problem that is going to require more than one solution. The commissioners all thanked Morgan for the report and the work that they have been doing. The next Monroe County Commissioners meeting will be held on October 12th. The Indiana Secretary of State race will be one to watch for the 2022 election cycle. It may be one of the only statewide races Democrats could win during the general election. It's also a race that the Libertarian Party could draw in more voters. Republican candidate Diego Morales missed last night's Secretary of State debate. Democratic candidate Destiny Scott Wells and Libertarian candidate Jeff Maurer faced off in Monday's debate, clashing over voter fraud and election law. Maurer said election security and transparency are top priorities for the Indiana Secretary of State position in his opening remarks. Our top policy challenge necessarily has to be our election integrity. And so it's the sum total of all the details of getting together to make sure that our elections are transparent and accountable and that we can all see the process clearly and have confidence, restored confidence in our elections. So we have to look at all of campaign finance law and all of election law to see those opportunities where we can make our elections more secure, more transparent. Wells said that misinformation during the elections and the lack of voter turnout are problems she would address as Secretary of State. Wells also responded to a follow-up question from debate moderator Laura Merrifield Wilson about additional responsibilities she would tackle if she took office. The Secretary of State's office has multiple roles, but this year, in 2022, post-2020 elections, the biggest policy challenge is running our elections in a free yet secure way. We live in the age of disinformation, and we have seen that transpire when the 2020 elections were contested, that the results were fair and accurate. It is the Secretary of State's job to make sure that we are educating the population as to our process in fighting this age of disinformation. Information. As Secretary of State, running elections will be our top priority in addition to the other three divisions within the office. Additionally, Hoosiers are not turning out to vote. We are 46 in the nation in registered voter turnout. And so we want to make sure that while we are educating about our election process, we are also engaging the public and making sure that they are turning out to vote and making their voices heard. Thank you. Ms. Wells, If elected, what additional areas of responsibility would you tackle? So I mentioned before that we have poor voter turnout. The Secretary of State's office has a lot of latitude to engage the public and have civic education. And that is one of the priorities that I want for the Secretary of State's office. Additionally, the Secretary of State's office can show Hoosiers how the money outside of elections is influencing their process. We are last in the nation in our campaign finance transparency. And that is because we have statutes that have real, really have no teeth in them, and so there's no accountability to the public. And we see millions of dollars entering our elections and being um, resulting in um, candidates being influenced as to how they are conducting their politics. And so we want to pull back the curtain on that as Secretary of State and use the tools in the office to educate the public on just where that money is coming from. Maurer reiterated his point of election security 
calling for a 92-county audit before the election is certified. The core focus has to be on election integrity. And so this is an opportunity. This election is an opportunity to restore confidence of Hoosiers in our elections process. And we can do this with common sense tools like receipts and audits. We can use receipts for each one of our votes. And we need a complete and independent audit of all 92 counties before the elections are certified. Together, these are the tools that will give us the confidence and the transparency to avoid the concerns of 2020. The candidates clashed over the issue of election security, with Maurer asserting elections need to be more secure and Wells implying that wide-scale voter fraud is a myth. Wells elaborated on her position when prompted how she would fulfill her responsibilities as Secretary of State to make elections both accessible and secure. Well, I would point Hoosiers to the over 50 cases uh, that have transpired since 2020 that have shown that there was no um, concerted efforts of fraud on our elections. And so, again, that is fighting the disinformation that is out there. At the same time, though, we need to be making sure that we are allowing for accessible elections. Indiana has some of the most suppressive um, election laws in the country. We have one of the earliest voter registration deadlines that's actually tomorrow, so make sure that you are registered by tomorrow. Uh, our polling hours close very early. We have to have excuses if you want to vote by absentee. Our Republican opponent wants to take those 11 exceptions and limit them to four. And so we want to make sure that while we are running secure elections, we are never compromising accessibility. We can do both. We can have fair and free elections and also safe and secure. Posed with the same question, Mauer said that he believes the focus should not be on making it easier for Indiana residents to vote, but that the focus should be on receipts and audits. I, unlike my opponents, I do not favor changing our current exemptions or requirements for photo ID. And so instead, I'd like to focus on receipts and audits. These are additional tools that will give us the credibility to know how our elections are performing. And the audits will show that our 92 county clerks are doing a Herculean effort, good work. They are under, uh, understaffed, under-resourced, and overworked to execute our elections. They need more training, uh, they need more resources, and it, they need more leadership from the Secretary of State's office to ensure that we have an opportunity to restore that trust through common sense solutions, receipts, and audits. Wells countered Maurer's statement, saying that clerks are already overworked and that election fraud happens in rare instances. As to Jeff's specific um, policy uh, agenda item that he would like to run 92 county audits, this is also a, an item by the Republican opponent, Diego Morales. Indiana is already strapped when it comes to resources in conducting our elections. We have 92 county clerks that are doing a very good job. And if there are any um, you know, contested races, a, a candidate just has to ask for a recount. We already have safeguards, and we don't need 92 county audits. Mauer pushed back, arguing that the election process is flawed. He cited multiple presidential candidates, claiming the system was rigged after an election, as a reason to question the integrity of elections. 
we may have safeguards, but we have red flashing warning signs that suggest we have problems with our audits. We have troubling footage of a county clerk who is seen entering in a bipartisan secured room. We have software used in the state uh, of a company whose CEO was just arrested on sealed indictment charges. We don't know the security that we have, and the only way to understand what is working and what is not is to get a baseline assessment, and that is a complete and independent audit of all 92 counties. During her closing statement, Wells explained why she believes she's the best candidate for the Office of Indiana Secretary of State. I have um, gone throughout the state and talked about this position and that it is an office that traditionally is technocratic and administrative. It is only after 2020 that we have seen Secretary of State's offices all across the nation be contested, specifically by election deniers. In Indiana, we have an election denier who is running with the Republican Party. This year, Hoosiers should be voting for the candidate that is pro-democracy. And I'm the only pro-democracy candidate on the ballot this year. I have said over and over tonight that we must be operating from a fact-based, evidence-based place. That is the only way I know to function. I have held a top secret security clearance for the last 16 years as a military officer. And it is with honor and pride that I operate from that perspective, from being evidence-based, from the facts. And I, again, like I said, am the only pro-democracy candidate for voters okay. to choose from. Thank you very much. Mawa addressed the same question during his closing statement to decipher why he believes he's the best candidate for Secretary of State. He also called out GOP candidate Morales for not attending the debate. My background, my career has been in finance and technology, and I managed a $300 million budget and worked very closely with uh, internal audit to implement strong accounting controls. These are the good common sense tools that will give us the insight to know that our systems, our elections are performing as they need to. But let's address the 800-pound gorilla not in the room tonight. Healthy democracies need healthy debate, and candidates who refuse to debate are assuming that they've won the election and they don't even need to listen to you. There is a candidate who refused to debate in 2000, 2004, 2012, 2018. His name is Vladimir Putin. And for candidates who refuse to debate, the company you keep is Vladimir Putin. The Indiana Secretary of State race will be decided on election day which will happen on November 8th. The last day to register to vote is today, Tuesday, October 11th. Up next, the debut episode of Little Bub's Little Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. 
first, here's today's featured animal. Our featured pet this week comes from our local City of Bloomington Animal Shelter. Max is a playful and sweet tabby cat, just about a year old. She has short brown patterned fur and green eyes. When she arrived at the City of Bloomington Animal Shelter, she had suffered an injury to her hind end that resulted in her tail being amputated. Max has a lingering sensitivity near the injury, as well as some urinary incontinence. Her condition has already improved throughout her stay at the shelter. At home, Max would need help with bladder expression. It's really easy to do, she tolerates it, and this helps avoid lots of messes. Shelter staff would be happy to teach you how to do this for her. They also noted that Max is extremely playful and will chase any and all toys. She's a big talker and loves to interact. Max will need a patient and understanding owner who's willing to give her the extra care and attention she needs. Max is patiently awaiting her forever home. If you're interested in adopting today's featured pet, you can learn more at our websites, goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. What does the term special needs pets mean? Simply put, a pet with special needs has one or more physical conditions requiring extra care. Special needs conditions may include those that are visibly identifiable, such as missing or disproportionate body parts. An animal may have sensory impairments, such as blindness or deafness. Chronic conditions may also require ongoing care, such as for pets with diabetes or kidney disease. Physical disabilities or medical needs tend to make an animal more difficult to adopt and more expensive to care for. As a result, they are also at a higher risk of euthanasia. Special needs pets can be overlooked because potential adopters might not understand their condition or may be intimidated by them. They may be concerned about time and costs associated with care or that extra care will detract from the enjoyment of pet ownership. We know the things that make us different are worthy of appreciation, and that applies to animals too. Concerns and misconceptions about a pet with special needs can be overcome through research, insights from those that already know the animal, and guidance from a veterinarian. Take, for example, our cat, Little Bub, who this program and our organization is named after. Bub was born with a multitude of genetic anomalies, making her one of nature's happiest accidents. She was the first cat in recorded history to have been diagnosed from birth with a very rare bone condition called osteopetrosis which caused severe hardening and deformity of Bub's bones, resulting in stunted growth, mobility issues, a significantly narrower bone marrow cavity, and a weakened immune system. In addition to that, her eyes were proportionally more than double the size of a cat of her stature. Her lower jaw was very short, and her teeth never grew in, causing her tongue 
to perpetually protrude. She was also born with an extra toe on all four paws, which is the rarest form of polydactylism, an already rare condition resulting in extra toes. Despite the genetic obstacles she was presented with, Bub lived a very happy and healthy life in our care and with the help of our vet. She was incredibly smart and communicative, had a remarkable demeanor, was wonderfully affectionate, and always full of wonder. Bub was comfortable and calm in just about any situation. For example, she loved to travel and sit on my lap in cabs, subways, planes, and even in my arms as I walked around outside, whether out in nature or in Times Square. Despite her unique appearance and health issues, Bub lived a truly happy life while touching and inspiring millions of people worldwide, raising awareness for animal welfare and starting the very first national fund for special needs pets. Special needs pets have love and loyalty to share, and with proper guidance and care, they can successfully adapt to new homes and families. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. Listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local. 